Well, Merry Christmas. Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas tomorrow. My name's Morgan. I'm the teaching pastor here at Summit Bible Church. For those of you who are new, it's a pleasure to be with you on this Christmas Eve and to have our Christmas service, not in our typical church home, but uh, we're thankful for the hospitality of Grace Church of Rancho to host us on Christmas Eve so that we can gather and worship the true King, Jesus Christ. We have the kids with us in service today. It's a family service, so parents, I understand, I sympathize. If you need to step away with the child or if you need to make a quick escape, do what you need. They don't bother me. Uh, I'm sure it's, it's more, of a, more of a thing for you than it is for me as a speaker. And for the little ones, my job in this service is to preach God's Word accurately the way that it was inspired and given to us, primary. And, and my second job is to give you kids something to take away from this message, okay? I want to give you a sentence, and if I didn't give you anything to take away, then, then I failed you, uh, kids. So you can ask your parents or talk to your parents after service about what one thing that you took away from the sermon today. I am going to bring up a megalodon. Do the kids know what a megalodon is? That's a big shark, isn't it? Maybe you'll take away that from the message this morning. It will come up. Okay, would you please open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We read this passage already this morning. And I want to focus on two verses. Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. I want to focus on the message of the angels. And the joy of Christmas. Let's reread verses 10 and 11. Let's go back to 9. Luke 2, 9 says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, them being the shepherds. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now I'm warning you, there are thieves trying to steal your joy this Christmas. That's right. Thieves that are out for your joy. The first thief is the, is the thief of distraction. So many distractions in the Christmas season, and, and distraction is out for your joy. There are so many parties to attend. There are so many lights to look at. So many movies to watch. Distraction keeps your eyes wandering to and fro without settling them on the true source of joy. That's the first thief trying to steal your joy. The second thief out for your joy this Christmas is called nostalgia. Nostalgia. Now that for us older people or the kids, right? We, we have the nostalgic feelings around Christmas. And what nostalgia does is that it replaces true joy with a fake, warm and fuzzy happiness. Nostalgia wants to give you the warm and fuzzies. It wants you to feel the warmth of Christmas. 
When you see the lights go up on the tree, when you decorate the house, when you remember how the Christmases were when you were a child. And sure, that makes you feel happy for some time, but you know what? That happiness dies when the season is over. So it's not a true joy. It's a temporary joy. And then, of course, there is the thief of presents. Uh-oh. Presents are out for your joy this Christmas. They want to steal your joy. Now, it doesn't matter if you're the gift giver or the gift receiver. If you place your joy or your value in that little object, you wrap it up in a box, you got to know that those things fade away. That joy is temporary. It does not last. Here's the proof. Kids, how many of you will admit and raise your hand if you've lost or if one of your toys from last Christmas has been broken? How many of you have lost a toy or forgotten a toy or broken a toy from last Christmas? I see those hands. Come see me after service, okay? <laughs> toys, presents are temporary. They are fleeting. There's a fourth uh, thief that's trying to steal your joy this Christmas. And it's the thief of grief. It's the thief of grief. It never fails. Grief always sends his postcards around Christmas. And they're unsolicited. We don't want these reminders of the people we've lost. Of the tragedies that have happened in our life around this time. Of moments that you can't have back. Of broken relationships that have not been mended. Reminders of loneliness. Grief steals the joy of many at Christmas. Now we need to watch out for these thieves. You need to beware. They're out for your joy. And they won't give you true joy. They will not provide lasting happiness. The message of the angels that we just read is going to be the source of true joy for you this Christmas. The joy of Christmas is in the message of the angel. Here it is. You can write it down in one sentence. Jesus Christ, Savior and Lord, was born for you. Jesus Christ, Savior and Lord, was born for you. That is good news of great joy. Lasting joy. True joy. See, I hope, I pray, and even as I was preparing this sermon, that you will leave the auditorium today and with the rest of your plans and activities for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, that you would be filled with the true joy of the Lord. Remembering that Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord, was born for you. And that's good news of great joy. So let's look at this passage. We'll go through it and learn some things together. We're starting in verse 10. And let's start with the call for joy. There's a call that goes out for joy this Christmas. That's what the angel does. Look at chapter 2, verse 10. The angel said to them, Fear not. Now, that is a popular introduction for the angels. That is 
the most, most often what they say when they interact with human beings. Angels are most likely not those figures that you see in paintings. Or the figures that you see sometimes in the stained glass. All pretty and nice. You know what happened when angels came to men? The men fell flat down on their faces in fear. Most often. And the most often the angel responds and says, fear not. They were scary creatures. Awesome creatures. Majestic creatures. They were fearful. Or, or they, were, they made people afraid. Now, the angel's purpose is to serve a more magnificent creator. And most often their service is to declare a message. Now, the word angelos uh, is actually, it means messenger. So that's what primarily they do. And, and so that's what this angel came, came to do. He came to deliver a message. Now, if you look down at your verse there, it says, I bring you good news. You kind of think of that like a, a waiter bringing food to your table, right? Or maybe uh, somebody at a, at a party will, will bring around hors d'oeuvres. That's not the sense of this word bring. That's actually a, a little tame. That's a, that's a tame English translation. In the English, you see, I bring good news. In the Greek, the word means this. To proclaim or announce good news. So don't think of a paper boy tossing news onto your driveway. Think of a herald coming in front of a king. Think of a preacher who has a message to say. That's what these angels came to do. They're not offering something for you to try. They're declaring something that will change your life. That's, what this, that's the sense of what the, the angels come to do. He's came to, to evangelize, to proclaim good news. We sing the idea correctly. We sing the song. Hark! You know what that means? Behold, listen. The herald angels sing. This wasn't a modest, a soft-spoken, hey, I want to share some good news with you. This is a herald declaring the good news of God. So he says, fear not, behold, and who is this announcement for? He says, fear not, behold, I bring you good news. Now who is the you? Who's the angel speaking with? Shepherds. The shepherds, right? That's the first you. The first you are the shepherds. Isn't it great that God sent angels to shepherds? That's a great thought. A great truth. He didn't send the angels to Caesar. He didn't send the angels to King Herod. Or to the priesthood. The nobility. Or the Pharisees or the Sadducees. He sent them to shepherds. The blue collar. The working class, the humble shepherds out in the fields with their sheep. This is a hint to the humility and occupation of the child who has been born. 
This child would come first, not as a, a mighty warrior or a king to rule, but he came first as a humble servant, a shepherd, to live and lead his sheep for the sheep, to give his life down for his sheep, ultimately. And so the first you is for these shepherds, and, and the second you, who is this message for? It is for, look down at the, the verse 10, it is for all the people. Do you see that? That includes you and I. When I say Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord, was born for you, I mean it. And these angels, or this angel means it. It's for you. All the people, great and small, rich or poor, right? American, non-American, Hispanic, Asian, all the people are invited by this good news announcement. The gospel comes out as a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to Israel. It's not limited to a certain people group or just a small group of individuals. It's for all the people. That's good news for you and I, amen? I'm looking out and I see a variety of ethnicities represented in this room. This is good news for all of us. That God would send His Son for all the people. As the whole earth turns its face to the sun, so every man, woman, and child is invited to turn to this gospel call and receive it. It is for you. So we have the messengers of God. They have a big announcement to make, to proclaim, and they're calling for your attention. You. Now before we get to the content of the message, I want you to see the premier effect of the message. What does the message do? Well, it is good news of great joy. Megas. Megas in the Greek. Here comes the megalodon. What is the megalodon? It is a big shark. Right, kids? Mega blocks. Big blocks. God has a call for mega joy. Great joy. Joy inexpressible. Joy beyond anything that this world can offer. You need to know something. God is no Scrooge. He's no Scrooge. He doesn't sit in the heaven miserably counting and hoarding, hoarding His coin. He's out on the street, co street corners offering it with bags overflowing. His currency is joy. C.S. Lewis writes... Joy is the serious business of heaven. Joy is the serious business of heaven. God wants you to be joyful, to be happy. Isaiah 9 is a prophecy about the Christmas announcement. It says this, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You've multiplied the nation. You have increased it's joy. God offers you true joy this Christmas. And the joy of God is not like the happiness that nostalgia, presents, or distractions offer. They're like a cheap printer printing joy on your heart that easily flakes off or fades away with a good tumble wash. The world's joy 
cannot endure the world's troubles. The world's joy cannot endure its own troubles. Only God's joy will get you through the world's troubles. And so look for the joy that God gives and God offers. It's true joy. God's joy is great. His joy is full, John 15, 11. His joy is everlasting, Psalm 16, 11. His joy can't be taken away from you, John 16, 22. Hark, listen, the herald angels sing, joyful all ye nations rise. Why? Why is this a message of such great joy? Point number two, the reason for joy. Here's the content of the message from the angel. Luke 2.11 For unto you, notice again the pronoun, who's it for? For you. Is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is a birth announcement. This is a birth announcement. And unlike, you know, a relative, oh, that's nice to receive. This, this is a birth announcement for you. This child directly relates to you. For you. And this baby is born in the city of David. Well, that is significant. The city of David, known as Bethlehem, is a significant city. Bethlehem is where the great king of Israel, King David, is where he was born, raised, anointed, and buried. And the baby's father, this child's father, Joseph, he is a descendant of David. We're told that earlier in Luke chapter 2. And the Christmas prophecy in Isaiah 9 tells us that this child that's born, he will sit on the throne of David, fulfilling the covenant of David. He would be the forever king of promise. Like we sang, this is a king of kings that is born. Furthermore, the prophets get even more specific. Hundreds of years before this day, before this child was born, there was a prophecy out of Micah chapter 5, verse 2, that stated specifically, Bethlehem would be the birthplace of the one who is to be ruler of Israel, the promised one of old. So the baby's birthplace has prophetic significance, born in the city of David. And then the angel gives us three titles for the child. Did you catch that? Verse 11. Three titles for the child. Savior, Christ, and Lord. Savior, Christ, and Lord. Who is this Jesus? Who is this child that has been born? And why is his birth such good news? Well, he is Savior, he's Christ, and he's Lord. Let's look at these three titles. First, Savior. The child is a Savior. That's good news. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 says, The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. 1 John 4, 14 says, We have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Well, why do we need saving? Things seem to be going okay here, right? We have our lives in order. We've got provisions met. We have, you know, maybe a decent job, good family around us. Why, why do we need saving? 
What do we need to be saved from? These people certainly thought maybe they needed salvation from the Roman government. The oppressive Roman government. Maybe you today are thinking, we need saving from corrupt politicians. We need salvation from a corrupt government too. But what is it that Christ came to save? What did we need salvation from? This is really important. Don't miss this. I want you to listen carefully to what this same angel told the child's father, Joseph. Told Joseph in Matthew's Gospel this. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from what? From their sins. That's what we need saving from. We need salvation from our sins. We need to be saved from ourselves. We're sinners. We've fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. And because of sin, we deserve death. We deserve punishment for our sin. Justice leans not toward our salvation, but it leans toward our judgment. But blessed be God. Thanks be to God. He sent us a Savior. This child that was born to save us from our sins. The biggest problem in our lives. Jesus came to deal with it. He came to make you and I right with God. There's not a greater gift that you can ask for this Christmas or receive than the salvation of your souls. When you see a nativity scene at Christmas, you look at maybe the carpentry work of the, of the wood figures. You maybe look at the little porcelain, you know, angel, the shepherds. Oh, how cute. Oh, how precious. How serene. Silent that night must have been, right? Probably not. Listen, when you look at a nativity scene, I want you to remind yourself that that's your lifeboat. That baby is the life preserver that you needed. Because your Titanic, your ship is sinking. And it's your fault. Myself included. Our sins have separated us from God. Our sins deserve punishment, but God sent a Savior. He sent us salvation in this child that was born. And that is good news. That child will grow up to be a man, a perfect man. That child will give his life on the cross as a perfect sacrifice in your place. That child will raise from the dead three days later, conquering sin and death for your salvation. That's good news. That is good news of great joy. Great joy. God sent us a Savior. The second title is Christ. Christ. Now you need to know, you need to know that Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is Greek for the Hebrew word of, for Messiah. Meaning anointed one. This is the anointed one of God promised in the Old Testament. 
Now, in the Old Testament, you need to know that there are three offices, primarily, that were anointed. You have a prophet, anointed by God. Priest, anointed by God. And king. Prophet, priest, king. Those are the three offices anointed by God. Prophets were in charge of of speaking on God's behalf, speaking God's word to the people. Priests were the mediators between God and man, facilitating the offerings and sacrifices in the temple. And the king, well, the king was to rule the people on God's behalf, to rule justly, to rule fairly, to rule according to God's law. And when the prophets, when the priests, when the king were aligned and right with God, the people were blessed. The people experienced great joy in Israel when those three offices were held rightly. When the men honored God and they did what they were supposed to do for God. But when they dishonored God, it was curses for the people. It was not great joy, it was really bad. So these offices, prophet, priest, and king, they were little messiahs, little anointed ones of God. But there was always this expectation, this buildup of the Old Testament, if you read it, it it leans forward for a big Messiah, the anointed one, not unanointed one, the anointed one. They look forward in Psalm 2 to the anointed one that was anointed by Yahweh, and the kings of the earth would rise up against him, and he would absolutely destroy the kings of the earth. Uh, Daniel, the prophet, he prophesies of the anointed one who will finish transgression, who will put an end to sin, who will atone for iniquity, bring in everlasting righteousness, the anointed one. Now this angel declares that this child is the anointed one, the Christ, the fulfillment of those prophecies. This anointed one would be a greater prophet than Moses. He would be a greater priest than Melchizedek. And he would be a greater king than David. This child is he. You know, sometimes the anticipation of an event exceeds the event itself. The anticipation of an event, it exceeds the event itself. So the excitement of waiting for a movie is better than the actual movie is. Have you experienced this? That's not the case for Christ. The people of Israel, humanity in general, could not have devised a better story. They could not have penned it. The fulfillment of these prophecies being in Jesus, God stepping down from heaven, taking the form of a man, born of a virgin, maturing in perfection. He was the prophet that preached the good news perfectly of his kingdom. He took the position of both the priest and the sacrifice. Mediating between God and man through a once for all perfect sacrifice that couldn't be made before. And then rising from the dead, delivering a crushing blow to sin and Satan and death. He ascended to heaven while the gospel goes forth. It saves millions and then he promises to return and reign on the throne of David. Write a better story. Work prophecy together in a way better than that. You can't. 
Even the great analogies of, of Narnia, of Lord of the Rings, don't hold a candle to this story. To God's fulfillment of His promises. C.S. Lewis, Tolkien, Bunyan, Dickens. They pick up their pens in the shadow of the greatest story ever told. His story, the story of His anointed one, the Christ. This is good news of great joy. The perfect prophet, the perfect priest, the perfect king has come. He was born for you. Now the third title. We have Jesus the Savior, Jesus the Christ, and Jesus the Lord. This word is kurios. Now this is how you would address someone who's in charge. A master, an owner, a ruler. It's a term of submission. If you're addressing someone as kurios, you're probably on your knees, bowing before them at the same time. This child is the one that the Magi bowed to, the shepherds bowed to, because they recognized him as Lord, Master, Ruler. There's an interesting psalm in Psalm 110. Psalm 110.1 says this, Yahweh says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. That's interesting because David the king is writing that psalm and he's recognizing a Lord above him that's sitting at the right hand of Yahweh. And Yahweh says of this Lord, all enemies will be given to you, all will surrender to you, all your people will offer themselves freely to you, you will shatter kings and kingdoms, you will rule nations, you are the Lord. Yahweh is saying that of this Lord that is above David the king. The angel is telling these shepherds that this is a prophecy to call this child the Lord. The Lord born in the city of David. The Lord who is also the Christ. The angel is saying in this prophecy, this is the Lord. This is the the one that was prophesied in Psalm 110. This is the Lord above David. The Lord of Yahweh that he will give the whole world to one day in his kingdom. This, this child born is David's Lord. David's king. He is the Lord. You know, there's a common phrase in, in the church that you want to... Uh, you want to receive Christ as Lord, or you want to receive Jesus as Lord. Or they'll say, hey, make Jesus Lord of your life. I think that's a poor way to phrase it. Because you don't make Jesus Lord. Jesus is Lord. You surrender to Him as Lord. You bow the knee before Him as Lord. He is Lord whether you say it in this life or not. But you will say it. One day you will stand before Christ in judgment. And if you didn't bow to Him as Lord in this life, you will bow to Him as Lord in the next. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ, this child, is Lord. This child that was born. And this is the rub. This is the rub for many at Christmas. Fine, Jesus is a Savior. That's nice, they'll say. He's my fail-safe. If I can't pull my life together, at least I've got Jesus. 
He's the backup plan, right? He's Savior. And sure, I think it's interesting. There are a lot of philosophers and scholars who think that it's interesting that Jesus fulfilled all these Old Testament prophecies. They see the story come together and they, you know, they, they are marvel at it. They wonder at, wow, this is a beautiful story, the Bible. They even respect him. Oh, he was a good teacher. He's a good guy to follow. But Lord, that demands something from me. That demands something from me that a lot of people don't want to give up. Their knee. They don't want to bow. They don't want to surrender to him as Lord. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, follow me as their master, as their Lord, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That's the cost of bowing the knee to Jesus as Lord. Have you taken that cost? Have you paid that cost? Have you bowed the knee to Jesus Christ as Lord? Have you received him as Savior and as Lord? Thomas Watson writes this. Many take Christ as Jesus to save them, but they refuse him as Lord to rule them. Do you join Prince and Savior? Would you as well be ruled by Christ's laws as saved by his blood? Christ is a priest upon his throne. He will never be a priest to intercede for you unless your heart is the throne where he sways his scepter. A true applying of Christ is when we see him, we take him as husband and we give up ourselves to him as Lord. Well, bowing the knees, submission, that doesn't sound like a very joyful message, does it? So be filled with joy. Bow the knee to Jesus. You're like, whoa, wait a minute. I thought we are talking about the joy of Christmas. Why is that good news? It's good news because Jesus is a good master. He is a good Lord. He's a good king. We're all ruled by masters in this life. Some of us are served by the, the master of things, riches, possessions, earthly goods. We give our whole life to those things. We're slaves to possessions. Some of us are, are slaves to lusts, to desires, whether it's for gold or, or for girls, lusts of the flesh, or it's a desire for power, for accolades, for recognition, for a position. All these are ruthless masters that are not out for your good, but they're out for your damnation. They're cruel. They never satisfy. They never fulfill. They never provide lasting joy, but they leave you feeling emptier for giving yourself to them. We all serve masters. But listen, there is great joy when you bow the knee to the good master. When you see this child, Jesus, as the Lord, the benefit in the next life far outweighs the cost of bowing to him as Lord in this life. That's what Jesus said. He called the rich young ruler to follow him, to give up his treasures, his earthly treasures and possessions. And he says, I'm ready to give you a hundredfold more in the next life. But the rich young ruler couldn't walk away because he had too much stuff. 
Too many presents. Too many distractions. Oh, he gave up an eternal weight of glory. Eternal goods. The joy of heaven in that decision. For a Christian, their joy, even though this life is difficult, the life is hard, our joy rests on the, at the finish line. When Jesus, our Master, says, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Master. Those are the words that we look forward to. That's the true lasting joy that we want. And if that's the case, then we can get through anything. The momentary light afflictions in this world. In John 16, Jesus warns his disciple of the trouble and the sorrows coming in life. He says discipleship will be hard. It's not always going to be peaches, roses, butterflies, whatever. But he says this in verse 20. When I see you again, your sorrow will turn into joy. Your hearts will rejoice. And get this, no one can take that joy from you. There's not a man on this earth that can steal your joy. There's not a power of darkness, Satan or his angels, that can take your joy. No one can steal it. Not a difficult circumstance, not a tragic loss, not the beatings and the bruises that you face in this world. No one, nothing can take your joy if it's in Christ. Isn't that what you want this Christmas? More than anything else? The Christian does. We need to be reminded of that, don't we? That our joy is not in this earth. Our joy is in this man. Jesus. The Christ and Savior. Was born for us. To save us. To fulfill God's promises. And to rule us as a good king. A good master. So my final question for you is. Who has your joy this Christmas? Who has your joy? Let's play elf on a shelf. Okay? The elf is your joy. Where is it? Where is it? Has it been taken by thieves? Does presents have it? Do the distractions have it? Does grief have it? You've placed then your joy on shelves that cannot hold it. Shelves that don't last. Shelves that don't deliver on their promises. Or does your joy rest on this shelf? Jesus Christ, Savior and Lord, was born for you. Is that the source of your joy this Christmas? Jesus Christ, Savior and Lord, was born for you. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the great doctor, said this. He is our joy and our happiness, even as he is our peace. He's life. He's everything. So avoid the incitements and temptations of Satan to give in to feelings. Put at the center the only one who has the right to be there. The Lord of glory, who so loved you that he went to the cross and bore the punishment and shame for your sins. And he died for you. Seek him. Seek his face. And all other things will be added to you. Matthew Henry writes... Ask him for joy. Open thy mouth wide, and he will fill it. Where's your joy this Christmas? Restore it to the one who is the true source of joy. Christian, be reminded of these truths. Non-Christian, 
Turn to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Trust Him wholeheartedly for your whole salvation. And bow the knee to Him in surrender and in faith. To Him today, this Christmas. And you will find joy. True joy. Let's pray. Father, we pray with David, restore to us the joy of our salvation. Some of us, God, have been distracted by our own sin. Some of us have been giving ourselves to idols, lesser joys. Pray that you would forgive us of that and restore our joy to Jesus Christ, this child who was born for us, Savior and Lord. God, I pray for anybody in this room who doesn't know Christ as Savior and Lord. I pray that they would turn to Him today and bow their knee in true repentance and faith and trust themselves to Him to give them the salvation and the joy that only You can provide. Thank You for a blessed time together, a blessed service. Great songs that we sing, great truths that we declare for Your glory and for our joy. In Jesus' name.